Hello, and welcome back to Let's Chat About Dad. We've got a spooky one for you today. So sit back, relax, and don't look into any mirrors. <laughs> and away we go! Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Let's Chat About Death. And uh, what a beautiful intro by um, Monster Annie. Um, and we've also joined on the panel uh, by Jess. Jess hasn't been on for a while. She's been away in Bali, as you do. Um, so let's put our hands together for these lovely ladies. Oh, you like that? That was pretty good. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Far better than the crickets. Yeah, yeah. I can do crickets. How about some trombone? Oh. <laughs> Isn't that sad? I don't think Chris is very excited to see us today. No, I, I am actually. I am very excited. It was just weird having to give up my microphone. I'm so used to having that. But anyway. <laughs> so today, um, as Monster Annie said, uh, we've got some uh, more stories, I guess, to tell about uh, the funeral industry uh, or my, my accounts and obviously the girls' accounts. Some will be a little bit more gorier than others. Not a Nasa goring, but a... <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that? That was pretty good. That was pretty um, good. And I didn't even get anybody applause for that. But anyway. Ah, but I'm here until Tuesday. Um, so, yeah. So this this is, yeah, gory, gory stories or just funeral-related stories. Um, you would have heard on some of our other episode uh, or episodes on... Um, the shower chairman uh, that Jess and I uh, were confronted with. Um, if you haven't heard that, go and do yourself a favour and go and listen to it. Um, it's a one of a, a one in a lifetime opportunity that we had, um, and I don't think we'll ever we'll ever see that again. So, um, yeah. Do you girls have anything that you want to share before I take over the mic again? I think that I've had a pretty tame um, – I've had some pretty tame experiences. I don't think that any of mine have been too particularly spooky or gory. Okay, yeah. So <clears throat> that's oh, well. my contribution. Yeah, well, that's a bit interesting. <laughs> I guess a lot of my stories go hand in hand with yours, Chris's, because yeah. Yeah. I've been on the same transfers that you've well, been you on. Go. Same funeral. And here so. I am thinking I'll get you two girls on. We're <laughs> going to be talking together. But no, it'll be just you listening to me talk. <laughs> I Look, the most the most memorable one for me would be the bathtub. Yeah. Funeral, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, you'll understand why we call it the bathtub funeral. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, so... Take it away. Oh, I've got Take to say it. Take it away, I've Chris. got to do it. <laughs> okay. So we um, we had a call from a family that uh, lost their, their beautiful loved one um, to actually a gang-related um, assault that ended up obviously in a fatality. And this love and – <clears throat> and I'll use female just as a, as a thing. Um, now – what had happened is um, 
was it ended up being a welfare check because they weren't able to get a hold of this lovely lady um, for quite some time. Um, and when when they went and they found uh, her uh, in in the bathtub uh, with water still running, you could just imagine, you know, if you go and clog up. Uh, a plug and you, you know, your bath runs over or your sink runs over. We've all done it, or something has happened in the laundry. It, it's a bit of a mess. You add that to hours or days, um, that becomes, uh, yeah, uh, an even worse situation. That no one, especially a family, this family has now been um, traumatized by the effect, obviously, because it's their loved one. Um, you know, that has now traumatised them for the rest of their life. Um, the gang and everything involved, um, or, you know, and I'll just say alleged gang, uh, because probably to this day I don't think it's still being 100% sorted. Um, and so that, I mean, getting her from, say, the coroner's court in Melbourne, bringing her back into our care um, and seeing the condition that she was in. Now, taking into account, um, and you, you're probably not aware, but anyone that's ever been in the ocean or a swimming pool or anything else like that, you know what it's like when you get out of a bath after a long period of time and you're really pruney? Like you go that, you imagine you being in in some water for five to seven days. But we're not talking cold water, we're talking like hot water. So things start to to disappear. Things start to, um, yeah, the, the the body structure and everything just yeah starts to starts to really break down. Um, and she she was in unrecognizable condition. And I'm and I'm using those words because it's probably the best or the politest way of saying it. Mm. Um, but I probably in my 23 years of doing this was probably one of the most, um, yeah, it's, it, it was traumatising, right? And I've seen, I've seen Bali, I've seen tsunamis, I've seen the bushfires, um, I've done, uh, what was the other one? Um, uh, I'm just trying to think, yeah, I'm just trying to think back a story. Sometimes stories... <clears throat> I've had to lock lock up only because for your own sanity or my own sanity. So the girls, uh, one of them was Jess and another one was Emma, not my wife Emma but another Emma, uh, Emma that was working with us. She uh, was really, well both of them were sort of, and if I use the word eager it's not like, you know, puppies waiting for a, you know, a snack. It was more of like, I really want to see this because it is, it's probably one in a million chance of you getting to see this Um, again like this. Um, You may have other variations to it, but I don't think the condition that this lovely lady was in was anything, you know, yeah, that you could go, oh, yeah, that's all right, I can see that. So I looked at her first and I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty nasty. And um, you know, I I'm I'm probably one of the first ones to say, look, 
I'll have a look at them. But if I don't think that it's necessary for you girls to look, then I won't because once it's with you, mm. you can't get rid of it. It's You've got to be able to lock that away somehow. But I said to the girls, do you want to? And then I started doing, I think it was the arm, part of the leg. I mean, even just the fluid around was enough to, to turn your stomach upside down and come out your, your nose. Um, and then we went higher and higher and higher and then they wanted to obviously see face as well. Um, now, any anything, like I said, anything water-related, um, so there, there pretty much wasn't a lot left, to be honest, of the, of the top region. Um, and we're talking hair and all other bits and pieces. So, But in, in the old days, that used to be a way that a lot of cultures would... Uh, remove things from their bodies um, by flowing water and stream. So, you know, what this body was doing was just natural in in that environment. Um, but it once once the girls had seen it, I think it was it was very confronting. I'll tell you that for a yeah, fact. Very much um, so. I and the other side of it too is smell. Now, um, you know, normally if someone is decomposing or is in a state, they've they got a, there's a certain smell and I, and I don't think us around this panel here tonight or today would be able to say, oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's like cooking a roast or, you know, like it's, it's nothing, nothing like anything like that. Would you have to agree? Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty... It's completely indescribable. Like I, I yeah. don't even know which words I would use. No, to no, I, 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 I think. But so now you add that to, um, yeah, body fluid. You got all of that. Like, if I if I use the words uh, of, no, I don't. I, yeah, <laughs> I'm just, I'm, de- I'm, de- I'm just trying to work out how far I actually go with this because. Um, yeah, it, it is pretty pretty full on. The smell, yeah, the smell, for example, was this lovely lady. What was that? It's like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I was just um, um, this lovely lady was. Um, oh come on, Annie. Um, this lovely lady was, like, like I said, was. <clears throat> now I've got creamy throat. Um, it was very. Uh, was not. Was really not in a good state. But she was already in two body bags. Now, for someone to be in two body bags means it's bad, right? Now, two body bag situation, uh, and we're talking pretty heavy duty body bags. That go on. Just quickly, um, two body bags does not mean one part of the body in one bag. Or one no, part of the body no, no, in no, one no, bag. no. It's the body in one body bag and that body bag with the body in another body bag. Yes. So like it's double bagged. Yes. So yes, well. <laughs> That's a great it, explanation. It, it, it was a it was a visual, and now that you say it, it's like yeah, like, and then we put them into three body bags. No, um, so we ended up because the smell was was pretty pretty rank. Um, we ended up having to put her into a third body bag, but what we also had to do was try to contain that smell. Now, um, you know when you when you get wet carpet. Or someone's at wet carpet, and you get that mildew. You mm-hmm. get all of, like 
and then you get some pet odor in there and then you get it's I'm just trying to think of like the put it all together but we had to try to contain that smell now there is funeral products that you can buy but they wouldn't have been able to help us in this situation um and for the likelihood of it happening again to be this bad probably yeah I don't know Maybe in my career I might get another one, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the what the universe will bring to us. Um, so we had to use all sorts of everyday, run-of-the-mill sort of um, cleaners and chemicals to be able to contain. And, I mean, probably the most natural one would be, um, you know, like a vinegar, like, a, uh, uh, like that smell or, you know, what is it, baking soda and mm-hmm. stuff like that to try to do it. So we... We utilise chemical, um, you know, like that to try to contain that. It pretty much took me three to four days, maybe five days to contain it. Now, that's bad. <laughs> like, So she ended up being in her own cool room because we couldn't expose other bodies to that. Um, and you're probably thinking, well, what's smell got to do with it? Smell travels. Oh. And, you know, you could be out there and... You know, you're around a, a fire or something else, like you know, or you're around someone else that's smoking or whatever, that you're going to get it on you. Mm. So you imagine us being there, being involved with that. Now, I'll tell you that anyone that has, that is in the industry listening to this, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. But if you have someone that's really, really bad and you ingest that person via fumes, next time you go to the toilet, or a day after, you will smell it, right? And no one, you can, the partner's like, what do you mean? It's like that smell Mm. is purely and solely has come out of me and you're Mm. smelling it that end rather than than the others, yeah. I have had times where smells have gotten caught in my nose piercing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how much cleaning I do. Mm. I just have to live with it for a couple of days until it fades. Because, Jess, you had that with the, you know, back of the days where we had to wear the Brember face masks. And, oh, uh, yes. You went in, yeah, went into the coroners and, yeah. I had, uh, so back when COVID was very prevalent, we were wearing face masks everywhere. I had gone into the coroner's to do a transfer of a deceased into our care Mm. and I had put my Brembo face mask on, which is kind of a cotton-based face mask. Anyway, once I was out of the coroner's, I popped that in my pocket as I do or I used to wear it around my wrist just so I always had it handy. Anyway, I came back to work. We did everything that we needed Mm. to do. I have stopped in at the supermarket on my (laughs) way home. Just imagine it. When, Mm. you know, we were still wearing face masks and I have pulled my mask out of my pocket, I have gone to put it on my face and Mm. I took a great big mouthful of the coroners and I nearly threw up in the middle of the supermarket because it was just really unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to um, the lady in the bathtub, that was a big eye-opener for me because that was the first time I had seen such a degree of decomposition and I'd certainly never seen any you know water fatalities Mm. before so that was very new to me and Chris was in the mortuary with his full PPE on and you know had said to us you know you can come in and have a look and 
for me. So I, I, I made sure I had the respirator <laughs> mask on and I gave I gave mm. them just normal. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. <laughs> I said, if you're coming in here, you're going to smell it, it like it's it, off. Yeah, I put a um, – so I was still in mm. my, um, I guess, a ranger's uniform and I was arranging this particular funeral. Got lapels and, you know, all the Oh, you know, I've got my, my not, badges. Not the plebe outfit that we have to <laughs> wear but, you know. I um, – so I went into the mortuary. I put on our disposable um, PPE. So I still had my uniform mm. on underneath and had my heels on and I wear glasses. <laughs> anyway, seeing seeing her and for me, I, I wanted to see her because I was arranging the funeral and I knew the family were just – so they they wanted to see her. So for me, it was I needed to know that I was telling them, you know, the absolute truth and, mm. you know, under no circumstances did we leave a stone unturned no. as such. So I have seen her and it was ghastly. It was it was the worst thing I've ever seen and it will it, it will stay with me for the rest of my life, what I oh, what yeah. I saw and what I smelt and yeah. I think it does change a little bit of chemistry within your brain about the way you the way you see things and smell things and but you know after we did what we needed to do and we had a debrief and um, you know spoke about it we all went home for the day and I remember travelling home in my car and I'm I just thought oh my god I can smell mm. I can smell it on me um, and then I thought no no I can't be it can't be anyway I got home and. The smell was so ingrained in my brain. I thought I just have to have a shower, so I got in the shower and I could I could smell I could smell this decomp smell in my hair, on my glasses, like everything. Oh yeah, yeah. My clothes had to go in the wash straight away, hot wash. But my partner, you know, it was a pretty traumatic day, so he's given me a big cuddle and. God love him because he gave me a big cuddle and then kind of recoiled <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I oh, smelled yeah. like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. But what he could smell was that um, decomposition smell on my glasses that I'm wearing on my face. So And that smell was there for days. Yeah. It was there for days. Yeah. Just awful. So, I mean, to contain, to contain that and then uh, in their wisdom – the justice system at the time said, well, we now need to go and do another test. We don't – we didn't get to do this one properly in, I guess, in the coroner's. We now need to do this test. So a DNA sample. So it got to the point where, like, I've just spent five days trying to Research. fix this yeah. and now I've got to open and take away every single thing that I've just done. Now, these guys turned up, guy and a girl, police officer, never done one of these tests in their life. Didn't even know what they were there to do. I said, well, where are you going to take the sample from? I don't know. Like, he was inside in the mortuary and the young girl was outside. She was not going to go in there. And the words were, I'm not bloody going in there or something. It's like, that is your job. So it wasn't, it wasn't a forensics team. It was two detectives probably from Nari or something, that have had to come and do what they've had to do. Now, the yeah, once again, no one was going to touch anything. They just He quickly did what he had to do, which I don't think was right anyway. 
and then he just said, oh, we've done it now. Um, he'd never seen a body of that condition before. I don't think he ever will. Um, and these are people that aren't given, and I say that they're, you know, they're an emergency service, right, and they're going to see some, some, some terrible things, but they're never prepared for this. Like this was, um, yeah, if, if that's where people need to have therapy. <laughs> but the therapy, especially for us, no one understands it. No one understands our trauma. I think a lot of people, unless you've worked in this industry, their fallback is, well, why would you put yourself through it? Why would you do this job? Why would you subject yourself to yeah. things like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then we're back to the drawing board again. Like everything that I put into place I then had to work because, you know, we had her for quite some time. Um and then I had to go through that whole process again. So any of those things that we use to try to to um, obstruct the smell, we can't never use again. No. Like not even in a household situation because it automatically triggers that. It does. That, that event that we had to go through. There was no, oh, I'm so sorry we have to do this or anything. No, it was just this is what we're doing. Yeah. And it was terrible. So... I don't think really that that last test was going to make any difference, um, and the family, poor family, the you know they had the real estate saying, oh well, you better, you know, you better hurry up, and you know we've got to rent that place out. It's like, well, you're going to have to rip it up, and because by this stage, you know, like we were saying, the, the water came out of the bath with whatever, and then it went everywhere in the house. Through the entire the house. whole house was, was you know, probably an inch mm. worth of water, maybe more in some areas, and then that rises up on everything else. So that was a pretty gory, <laughs> gory um, case really for us. Certainly um, was. And like I said, it's probably one in a million. It's the same up there with that, the shower chair man. Probably never see one like that again. Yeah. You know, Um so, yeah, pretty traumatic, but, yeah, it will be with us for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah, so there you go for that. Um, another one that I had was um, I, well, it was awful in its, in its own because, once again, it was communication from um, certain medical profession professionals, I should say, against us. Now... This poor, lovely person passed at home. Uh, I think, Jess, you might have even had involvement with this one. Um, and the poor person, you know, they had they had her in a, in a heated room yeah. and they had her for probably a couple of days at home because, you know, all the family got to come and see her and they're doing prayers over her and they're doing all of this, trying to keep her nice and warm. So by the time we got her... She was not in good condition at all. Uh, oh, we must see her again. It's like, well, probably not. Yeah. You're unlikely now yeah. to see her. Oh, but we were told by X, Y, Z that if we did this, it was okay. It's like, well, that would be the first thing that we would totally go against because that's not yeah. the procedure. Um, I think that where your mind goes... Um, 
I guess, for, again, it's for people that are not mm. in any sort of, you know, healthcare profession. If you have been caring for someone that you love at home, your nurturing instinct oh, is to sure. keep them comfortable, yeah. keep them warm, keep them, you know, you're, you're loving them. That's what yeah. you do. But once they've passed away, that can then become such a hindrance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 150%. Um, you were going to say something? Um, I was just going to say that I think that it's – I think that it's – very sad that they they loved her and cared for her so so much that they actually they for lack of a better word ruined their chances of being able to see her again yeah i think i think we ended up getting her to the viewing but it was just um skin quality was not and Mm. and that body really started to deteriorate um I mean, saying that, look, she could have been in the in the in the most perfect um, situation, you know, with cooling, and then the body still does the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, here we are saying, oh yeah, don't keep them in a warm room, but whatever you can do to stop or slow down the process of of decomposition, you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you've got organisations telling families to do something which is really against what they should be doing, like in in the sense of, you know, you need to try to keep that room nice and cool. I totally get what you mean but, you know, just do this Um, or let the funeral director explain to you what you now need to do. Um, Even if the person was on a cool pad, that was another one we had, cool pad, and it's like, you know, once again, timing. (laughs) Like just because they're on... A nice cold um, cooling pad doesn't mean you can keep them for five days without having some form of treatment done. Mm-hmm. So it was once again, it was pretty horrific, mm. you know. And then it just makes and when you got family around yep. and you're trying to lift someone that's just got things starting to hang off, mm. um, it's not the best. Definitely not the best. I think too, the general public think, oh, I don't know what. I think sometimes they don't really know what decomposition is or what mm. what happens. Decomposition normally starts from the inside out, not the outside in. Yeah. So people tend to not see, you know, some of the, you know, some of the steps that mm. that happen. Oh yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, public view against our view is going to be totally different. Um but yeah, that that was once again a, a, a pretty horrific one. But then we've also had, um, and it breaks my heart. We had a little bub. Um, now we're talking probably twelve months ago um, at a a very large hospital, um, and it was a Sri Lankan or Indian family um, that had lost their. I think it was a son. A little boy. Yeah, a little yeah. boy. Gorgeous family. Like they could probably speak better English than me, you know. Mm. But according to the hospital, they said that language was a barrier and they couldn't communicate with them at all. Now this poor little bub, family were there for a couple of days. Bub was put into a, um, what do you call those, little, like a little… Uh, a cuddle cot. A cuddle cot, yeah. yeah. So a cooling, a cooling bassinet. Yeah. 
Um, and then they've got this like this little room that they place the bub in uh, once the parents have gone for then the funeral director to come. Now, I class that room as just like a a cupboard. That's oh, a glorified broom closet. That's all. That's all it is. Like there's shelving everywhere. Like it's just a storage facility for. Uh, yeah, you you couldn't you couldn't put a desk in there. No. Um, really, it was it's terrible. So these parents have gone and they said, no, 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 no. They, they, you know, they said that Bub's okay to go. Well, Bub's not in the mortuary. Mm. You can contact the ward. No, I, no, no, I don't know where the Bub is. You know, and this went on for like this Bub. After the family went home, was probably in that room for about five days. Yeah, no yeah. I think word it was seven days. Seven no, days, yeah, all seven up days. from the time of death to when. They located the baby. Yeah. So this room that this bub was in has to have two staff to get into it, right? Because it's like a, a dual code thing or whatever, right? So no one on their shifts went through. You know when they do their handover? Not any of them that I'm aware of said, just letting you know that we have baby da-da-da-da-da. In, in here still, we're trying to get a hold of the family. They were saying they were trying to get a hold of the family but the family was advised that Bub was already coming to us. And it's like, well, no. So we were, like it was frustrating until we got, um, I don't know if it was a social worker or someone but they said, oh, my God, you know. And we kept on saying, have you checked the room? Have you checked the room? And they were thinking of where the, where the, where the mother was. No, no, yeah. no. The room near to the, the sister's desk. A bereavement. I think it was called a bereavement room. Yeah. yeah. So and they went, oh, oh, and then they've opened up the door and here's the baby. So, Jess, you went and got the little bub from, from this hospital. I did. Uh, and, oh, my God. It was horrific. And then they still didn't have paperwork ready for it. No. And all they could say was, oh, it was a language barrier. We couldn't, you know, we didn't know what they wanted to do. It's like, well, the family have yeah. told me that someone here has told them that this bub is mm. clear. Mm. If it was, look, and I think everyone's going to have personal opinions and, like, for me, I know even just retelling that story now makes me so, oh. so angry. But the... The excuse of a language barrier, I mean, there are interpreters. Yeah, there are, yes, yes. There are so many different things that can be used now to, to, you know, break through those barriers. Yeah. But at what point did someone make that decision, whoever it be in the hospital, whether it be a midwife or a social yeah. worker, if you think that that family hasn't understood or hasn't been able to grasp what yeah. they're saying because of a language barrier, that baby should have been taken to the mortuary. That was the safest, 100%. safest humane place yeah. for that little baby until it was sorted out in terms of so contacting this, the funeral director. So this little bub bang on a cooling pad, like what we've said, underneath is fine. Top was terrible. He had decomposed. And and for Jess to go there and then, you know, graciously grab this bub and pl- like without, mm. you know. I remember the social worker mm. was really upset. Yeah. She had realised the, the magnitude of yeah. this issue. And she said to me, oh, oh, I just need to step out of the room. And I said to her, you don't no, leave this not. room no, until not. I transfer the baby into my carrier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
only because, and I mean, obviously I didn't grasp the, I mean, I knew this was a serious situation, but it's not until you kind of think about it. But I thought, no, you're not, you need to see what's happened here. Yeah. That, yeah, it, it's such an awful situation. And this this family had religious reasons for wanting to try to get the funeral done ASAP. But because we had so many problems, you know, no one being able to find this baby. And I thought, well, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not this hospital that they're telling me. Maybe it's somewhere else. Oh, no, no, no. It was at this hospital, but we don't know where we've put the baby. Yeah. I rang the hospital, I think it was the morning of. I was actually travelling out there because I thought, oh, this enough's enough. Like, yeah, we're just going. We're going to go and we're going to find this baby. So we knew which hospital apparently yeah. this baby was at um, rather than on the phone being tossed around. But I remember saying to a midwife on the ward, I am on my way. I'm going to be there in half an hour. You need to find this baby. Yeah. And I think it was then she realised how very serious this was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just awful. Um, did the parents know that Bob was missing? Oh, that yeah, that, the, that we can't find the baby. Yeah. And so, oh, no, it's in mortuary, mortuary. No, not in the mortuary. And then you got to look on one side. It's like, well, we, we don't want to alarm them too much either, because yeah. but we had to tell them because we couldn't say, oh no, we're getting on to them, we're getting on to them. It's like, no, no, they've lost your baby. Yeah. Um, and they were going to seek some, you know, some help after it. I don't know if they went and did it, but mm. you know that that's another situation that we um, and we we had another case quite recently, similar. Well, not well, similar, but not. Um, of it, uh, especially with those cooling cots. And they're, they're a great item to use for a limited time. Yeah. It's not something, it's not a fridge where you can just, you know, wait until the expiry date. It's like you just have to, yeah. you've got to do what you've got to do, you know, for in that 20, like even 24, 48 hours max. So it wouldn't have still been cool when by the time they found Bob's? Oh yeah, so so it just keeps running like it's yeah. it's powered. Oh okay, I so thought it was like a I thought it was sort of like an ice block type. Situation. No no no, so it's a powered yeah. um, cot, but underneath, like half so half the of the baby, yeah, was fine. Yeah, but, but top was top. was not, um, because it's not it's not covered. It's not yeah. it's it's not part of that cooling system. Um. So, yeah, that was pretty terrible, pretty terrible. So I know we've shared quite a bit of information about certain things that happen and I think a lot of public don't really don't really get it uh, or don't don't hear about these stories, but I think it's we, we have to be open with it. Yeah. Um, a lot is is hidden away and it's not it's sometimes not our choice to do that. Is, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's yeah, it is terrible. Um, but yeah, if you know, I think I think another podcast that we will do is if you ever do get someone that passes at home of what what's expected, what we should be doing, or what you know the the signs. Like if you think something's different with your loved one, then this is what you should look out for. Um, or even if they're in hospital, you know that where they get that surge before they go. You know, like everyone. It's like, oh, you know, oh, he's fighting, he's up, he's up. But that can, I mean, I, yes, it could be. 
But on the other side, if he's been or he or she's been sick for a long period of time and maybe not responding the day before, they all of a sudden get this fight. That's their last push of life um, because then you get your hopes up. Yeah. And then it all happens and you go, what? You know, granddad, he was fine two days ago. He was eating his cornbread and whatever, you know, and it's like, yeah. So... That that might be another episode that we can do on on you know signs and things that you can and can't do that happens. I think that's any education. Like I've always said, any education is better than none. You know, beat it if it helps you or not. I don't know. You might totally forget what we're talking about and go, "Yep." Um, look, I could I could uh, talk a little bit more about certain things, but I think because what we've gone through has been pretty full on, I think. I think we'll um, I think we'll stop around there. Um, and sorry, it was a little bit morbid, but uh, that's what a lot of people want. They want to hear some of our stories and what's what's real, rather than what people assume happens. Um, thank you to Jess and Annie for your involvement. Thanks and, for having uh, us. Annie was falling asleep in the corner. We just had to kick her. Um, but that's all good. And yeah. Yep. That's how it is. So thank you very much. And we look forward to talking to you again. Um, and until we chat, bye for now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. 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 Bye-bye. Now you, you hang up first. No, you hang up. No. No, you hang up. No. Hang up. Hang up now. Hello. You going to hang up? You going to hang up? Okay.